This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we are still recovering from that post-draft hangover. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plenty of stuff to talk about besides uh, the drafted players in the fact that it was Quite interesting news, a Saints tight end asking to be traded from the team. Uh, got some another ad addition to the team and an undrafted free agent. And we'll get to some interesting comments from our very own Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, making on Sports Talk. Some bold predictions already, Jeff, for some guys on this roster. Yes. Bobby is never shy about making takes. Although I told, I said the same thing when he was like, Andy Dalton's going to start for this team. And I was like, right, exactly. And then he ended up starting 14 games. So maybe I'm the crazy one, but yeah, we're going to get into that in the third segment. In the second segment, play a interview that I got with Cam Jordan. It was prior to the draft, but this is just the first chance I mentioned in the last episode is our first chance to really play it. in in its entirety, I thought it was a really entertaining interview personally so uh, i wanted to make sure we played that entire thing for you so you get that in the second segment but yeah first segment here we're going to talk about adam Troutman. i want to talk about caesar ruiz and then obviously that new undrafted free agent that they brought in and the the first thing we're going to get into is okay so adam troutman requested a trade or at least that's what he said it's a little different from what we heard from dennis allen who kind of indicated that it wasn't really developing until like midway through the draft. Whereas Adam said that he had kind of floated this out there a few weeks ago. I'm more inclined to believe Adam in this case, because I don't like DA is not going to want to air the dirty laundry. Adam doesn't care anymore. So he's willing to be like, yeah, this was my idea. 
and and I I think that news was kind of greeted with oh what a you know what a jerk you know blah blah blah. I honestly don't mind it. Like I I feel like he did get passed over. Like he did have a job and it was given to someone else. He got beat out for it. I would want to leave too. And and like, I don't mind trade requests as long as the trade request is not preceded by being a bad teammate or else. Right. Right. Like Anthony Davis, when he made the trade request, right. It was followed by weeks and weeks of kind of half playing, pouting, flipping off fans, wearing, t-shirts that may or may not have been like a passive aggressive message like i never got that impression from trout when he was always in the locker room he was always willing to talk i don't know what was going on behind the scenes but if all he did was say hey guys i'm not really happy with my role i think i could be more than a blocking tight end if you can find a way to ship me out of here i'd really appreciate it i don't mind that and he's getting a lot of grief on the internet i feel like he handled it about as well as he could personally to me i thought of the news of hearing him requesting the trade to the saints made me think that the team went, you know what? It's, it's kind of funny. You mentioned that Adam, because we were thinking the same thing too. I don't know. Obviously I think it's a case too, where it's pretty clear that Troutman is a Sean Payton guy, Dennis Allen kind of clearing the deck a little and saying, all right, you know what? Let me send one of his guys off to Denver, get something in return. And heck, you know, it it really, uh, I know, made us happy in the media, the fact that they packaged Troutman in that seventh rounder to move up to get, get, you know, rid of another pick so we didn't have to wait so long. But in general, really was a a smart move for the team because it didn't seem like Troutman was a fit at all last year. I know he suffered that concussion early on but just never seemed to find his way in this offense no he was getting his role was getting diminished and diminished at least in terms of being a receiving tight end right and whether you think it should have been a bigger role clearly he did and i do think that once you make that trade request right like once you float it that you would rather be somewhere else the team has to make a decision are you going to try to keep this guy around possibly disgruntled not maybe not putting in the work that you would want to see from him because he's he's made it clear. Like, he has put it out there, and now it's your decision whether you want to allow that to fester or not. Now, I don't know if the team was always planning to trade him or if that's just something that developed when they saw A.T. Perry was available because that's the player they got with that pick. They moved up from 257 to 195, and they sent Troutman out to hang out with Sean in Denver and a bunch of former teammates, right? Like, it is not the he's not the only former Saint in Denver right now. They also have little Jordan Humphrey. They have Marquez Calloway. They have Tony Jones Jr. I think they have at least one more. I think Chris Manhurts is a former Saint. Declan Doyle is also the tight ends coach. And so it doesn't surprise me that Sean was like, yeah, yeah, bring him in. Like, even if it's just a guy who can help teach his new players, like the the, the terminology he wants to use and like how the playbook's going to work. When someone who's done it in another position group is helpful. So I think that's where you're looking at. But again, like I think Troutman he struggled to fill the role that they had hoped he would fill. And it never quite worked. It was that 2020 draft where I think you were kind of taking shots in the dark a little bit. They traded the back half of their board to go up and get him. So I think whenever that happens, there's going to be a little bit more expectation placed upon a player. He's going into year four and he knows based on the contract they handed Juwan Johnson, that he is going to be the number one tight end, not Troutman. It's going to be Juwan Johnson. So you're going into a contract year and you're not going to get the opportunity, right? And this is just me saying, like, I think that he handled it about as well as you could. 
Because you can't just not play. You can't just not show up. All you can do is say, hey, can you guys find another spot for me? And they did. They brought in a player they liked. I mean, I, I don't have any ill feelings toward Adam Troutman. I hope the best for him. I hope he's successful out in Denver. I I don't know. Like, I saw, like, some of the reactions on the internet was like, you know, oh, blah, blah, what a jerk. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. He did take a pay cut, too, to go to Denver. Yeah. Well, to, to restructured well, it, I guess. For him, like, you look at his situation – he wants to get another contract. What kind of contract was he going to sign if he was the blocking tight end for the Saints next year and caught 20 passes? Like, no, it was not going to happen. And you look out in Denver, I don't know how much faith Sean has in Greg Dolchich. He didn't draft him. Troutman might be the, the starting tight end there. You don't know how Russell Wilson's going to going to fit in with that situation, but he's going to have a chance to compete with a second-year tight end who was not drafted highly, right? Like, he was a third-round pick too, I believe. So for him, I think it's a much better situation to be in, whereas... The die was already cast in New Orleans. Like it was not going to be a situation that, that led to him getting a lot of a lot of chances. If anything, he might have gotten fewer chances this year than he did last year, which was obviously a light season for him. I think he had 22, 22 catches. He played in 15 games. So Yeah, and you, you mentioned, you know, wishing him the best kind of perspective. And I, I think this uh, pretty much for all the media members appreciate the access that he was always willing to give. Right. Even even when he was hurt, he was still kind of hanging out and would talk to you when a lot of players, when they are injured, won't say a peep. So I, I don't know. I, I think that, that the the situation is a bit overblown in terms of every time someone asks for a trade, it's like a personal insult to the fan base. I don't think that's what it was. No, it's not, not at he all, just right? wasn't getting He wasn't getting the role that he had hoped for, and he wants to get it somewhere else. So good luck. I do think like we're going to have to figure out what's going on at tight end. Because there's no way, like Dennis Allen can say they feel good about where they're at at the position. All he wants, no freaking way do you feel good about that position group with just Jawan Johnson there. Because that's what you have right now. Jawan Johnson, a UDFA from last year who didn't play, and a guy you said was a tight end that you never actually played at tight end. So, oh, and Joel Wilson, a UDFA out of Central Michigan, Right. Um, and then some other dude I've never heard of. Like, they have to bring somebody in, and it's just right. a matter of it. Right. You got another UDFA from last year, obviously, with Lucas Kroll, and there's another player that I saw on the roster, and I was like, wait a minute, who is that? I don't even know when they signed him. He just appeared on the roster. I don't even know right. if they announced it. He just was there. Like, I'll, I'll, let me look it up. Miller Forstall. Yes, Miller oh. Forstall. When did he show up? I, I, I just looked at the it roster. Might be Chip Forstall's brother. I don't know. But like, I, I just like looked up the roster and, and he was just there. And I was like, where the fuck did he come from? Like, he was just, like, when did they sign him? He was definitely, I'm glad it, I didn't feel this. I felt the same way. So I'm glad it did. That one crept up on me too. But yeah, a guy from, out of Alabama too. I figured I would have, you know, at least remembered that much about him. <laughs> like, this is what it would be like if no one covered the team. <laughs> and they would just sign people and all of a sudden you'd be like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> like, huh? I think that's why it's it's funny because like normally they sign somebody and there's at least like a NOLA.com article or a Saints News Network article saying, oh, they signed this random guy that no one really cares about. In this case, it was just like ships in the night. Just... Anyway. Yeah, I'm looking up to like January. I, I don't even know his name. Like I've never even heard of him. January 28th, I'm seeing dogs by nature putting out the news. Browns lose Miller Forstall signs with Saints. I guess he was on the, the uh, Browns practice squad and they janked him from there. Great. That's exciting. I, I can't wait. Can't wait to see him in action. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, of players that we're going to have to kind of get an idea on, Cesar Ruiz 
the Saints declined his fifth year option. It was the deadline was May 1st. They waited until the deadline to announce it. They made this decision weeks ago. And we know that because Mickey told us. Right. Um, saw a lot of people reacting to that news saying the draft class is a bust. Good. He doesn't deserve it. This and that. What people need to appreciate is because he's played so much, his fifth-year option is actually higher than it would be for some other rookies who might not have the playtime accrued because that's what happened in the, in the most recent CBA. They changed the fifth-year option so that if you hit a certain playtime benchmark, you get a higher number. If you make a Pro Bowl, you get a higher number. So his fifth-year option was going to cost the Saints $14.75 million guaranteed in the 2024 season. So I don't think declining that is really an indicator that they have that they're that they're out on him, that they don't plan to bring him back. I just think it's like his guy's coming off a major injury and you want to see him recover first and foremost. And then you can sign him for, you know, I don't know what you would sign him for, but you're definitely not signing Cesar Ruiz for $14 million annually and a contract, right? You're not signing him to what? What would that be? Three years, $42 million. No friggin' way. Like (laughs) you could sign him for three years, $30 million. That's still a heck of a contract for the guy and you can backload it. And it would only cost you $2 million in a season where suddenly have to pay Derek Carr a whole lot of money. So I I do think it's interesting that I don't know if it was ever really even in consideration for, for them to pick up because they'd made that decision pretty early on. No, I think obviously the initial reaction from fans is when you see that they're not picking up the option is immediately that they're moving on from the guy. Yeah. I think, I think there's this kind of knee jerk reaction of if you were good, they would have picked it up. Right. If you're bad, they won't pick it up. And and that's not always the case. There is more to it than that. At at the running back position, you're almost always going to pick that up because it's a low number, right? Like it's worth getting that fifth year on a first round running back because you're talking about $8 million just to keep that guy. And how many seasons does he have beyond that? Right. You know, for a safety where that number's a lot lower, it makes sense uh, for, but for an offensive lineman, it's really high for a quarterback. It's really high. Look at Daniel Jones. The giants didn't pick that contract up. Granted. I think they were considering moving on from him at that point. Um, I don't think that's necessarily where you're at with Cesar Ruiz, because if you were, seriously considering moving on from him, I think you would have been way more proactive in the draft about bringing in, like, like I think they really like Nick Saldaveri, but he's a right. fourth-round pick, right? If you have both of your offensive guards going into contract seasons, if you were planning on moving on from both of them, would you not have brought in depth there more, than, more so than a, a small school tackle that you're going to convert to guard? I don't right. know. That's a great point there because... Yeah, obviously there's questions, Ruiz, there's questions with Pete, and more and more just think, you know, the, the team's trying to build depth because we've seen how this O-line, uh, I, I joke and said, you know, they're, a starting offensive line might be as healthy as the Saints start, I mean, uh, the Pelicans starting five. We just never see it. At least over the last few years, yeah. And, and you're betting on Trevor Penning. So I think this year, and, and obviously we've moved on from the fifth-year option, but I do think – the way Caesar Ruiz played last year, if he gets back to that, I don't think he even necessarily has to take a step forward. If he can get healthy and play at the level he played at last year, I think you're extending him on a decent number. Not $14 million a year, 
but at a, at a decent number and you do it before you hit free agency. I think what your plan is for this year is you're going to hope to go into week one with Trevor Penning as your starting left tackle. Right. You're hoping is for sure. Hoping. That's not a guarantee. He's got a bit steeper of a curve to get over than Ruiz does. Because if you recall, they had the same injury. They had, I, I don't know the severity of each relative to each other, but they both underwent surgery to repair it. So their timeline should be similar to each other. Now, Caesars happened at the end of week 15. Trevor's happened at the end of week 18. So Caesar will be about three weeks ahead. Granted, I don't know exactly when the surgeries happen, but he'll be about three weeks ahead in terms of a recovery timeline, which, you know, it's a significant month. It's almost a month. So if Caesar is kind of right on the fringe of being ready for training camp, which is kind of what it sounds like, then you might have a couple more weeks in the offing to get Trevor up to speed, which might be enough to make you a little hesitant about throwing him in there week one in which case you do have James Hurst still under contract. Now, I think the ideal scenario would be you go into week one with Trevor Penning as your left tackle, and that would allow you to have James Hurst focus on left guard. Because I think what you want to do is have James Hurst be that backup left tackle, maybe starting left tackle, would definitely backup left guard behind Andres Pete. And then you will will allow you to get Nick Saldaveri focused on right guard and be the backup right guard behind Cesar Ruiz because he's been a right tackle. He's a right-handed guy. You, I think you want to keep him on that side of the line. And that would give you very good depth, right? You'd still have Landon Young behind Ryan Ramchek. You would have Eric McCoy with Cesar Ruiz kind of being the backup center if you need him. Nick right. Saldaveri is your backup right guard. And then James Hurst as your backup left tackle and backup left guard. So I I think that's where you're looking at. And and if that's your plan, it kind of indicates, okay, Nick Saldaveri would be your starting maybe left guard. This time next season, you would try to convert him to that side. And then you're bringing back Cesar Ruiz. And that's kind of your line would be Penning, Saldaveri, McCoy, Ruiz, Ramchek going into next season. You feel good about it. But again, like I don't think dropping the, like declining that fifth year option is anything in terms of, Caesar Ruiz isn't part of their future plan because I think he definitely is. How dare you just ignore Storm Norton and all of that? Oh, Storm Norton. <laughs> you know, for a guy I've never heard of, he gets so much hate on the internet. He, oh, I thought you were going to say he similar. gets love because of his name, but it's hate, huh? Well, I mean, his name his name is fun. But, like, yeah. he comes in with a similar rep as, like, Daniel Sorensen last year where, like, Daniel Sorensen came – like, they signed Daniel Sorensen, and it was immediately, like, Chiefs fans laughing at the Saints – because right, he was bad. Right. right. They were, I do recall. And everyone's like, good, take him." And it's like, well, if he's on the field, he's getting thrown at kind of thing. He actually played pretty well. Um, right. Two picks. Yeah. Uh, he was tied for the team lead. <laughs> and then storm Norton is the kind of the same. He's coming from the chargers, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. No. Yeah. That's a big question, but yeah. One of those early candidates for best name on the roster. Yes. Um, the other thing I want to mention before we go into the second segment here, the saints signed one more UDFA on the list. We went through the list of 11. I'm sorry. We went, went through the list of 12 in the last episode. And since then they have also signed Montana wide receiver, but more importantly, kick return specialist Malik flowers. And this actually fills something that I've been kind of projecting for a little while now in that, 
I think you're going into this season hoping that Rashid Shahid is a more incorporated part of your regular offense. He's no longer going to be kind of this on and off guy where you're only going to him in certain situations. Like, I think you're going to want to incorporate him across the board, which means you don't want to overload him as the return guy. So I think a guy like Malik Flowers, you bring in in the same way you brought in Rashid Shahid last year, where you're probably going to stash him on the practice squad to begin the season, but he could very much work his way into the system. So uh, I, I am interested. He tied Rashid Shahid's college record of, of kick return touchdowns, but I believe seven. So he's going to be an interesting guy to watch because like this time last year, I was saying, Hey, let's, let's keep an eye on Rashid Shahid. He's going to be interesting. I think Malik flowers is that guy this year. Yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, I can't say I, I've watched a minute of any no. Montana football games, Why would uh, you? <laughs> but, 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 but so, so interested obviously to see what the saints have mined here because yeah, we, we saw that success they had with a guy like Shahid last year and yeah, it'll be interesting to see too if this is one of those kind of guys they're trying to stash and leave leave behind so other teams aren't too aware of him. But man, we 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 saw it early on. The the guy touched the ball. What was it? His first two touches in the NFL were touchdowns. A rushing so, touchdown or receiving touchdown. Right. It was um, like, please get him the ball more. And and I, I agree. It's like it's pretty evident that it's like you you have to find a way to get this guy more touches in your offense, not just special teams. Yeah, and so Malik, I think, you know, we, we t- when we talked about Rashid last year, I think he did have a bit more in terms of receiving chops than Malik. Malik is very much a return specialist. He played in, he appeared in 52 games for Montana, which is kind of a crazy amount of games when you think about it for college, where you play like 11, 12, 13 games a season. He appeared in 52 games. He had 51 catches for 716 yards and four touchdowns. So, I mean, it's it's an average... It's it's less than one catch a game he's averaging. He also ran the ball 16 times for 251 yards and a touchdown. So I think he was more of a gadget guy in that offense. So I don't. I think he is very much a return specialist in whatever role they are bringing in to try to do. I was going to say, um, oh, he averages a catch a game. Sounds like someone else I know, Traquan. I don't know if he does even average a catch a game. <laughs> if he averages a catch a game, it's because that one game against the Eagles where he caught the ball like 10 times uh, right. brings it up. But... Wow. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a guy to watch. It's easy to forget, you know, Marquez Callaway, he didn't really do a ton last year, but he was kind of your backup returner. And you do have to have that guy, right? right? Like what when your main returner goes down and you have to send somebody else out there, it's like you're not even asking them to to make a play. It's just like, <laughs> don't don't turn it over. Yeah. Right? Like it's a, it's a skill. It's a specialized skill. It's like if your long snapper gets hurt, you're just like, oh, God, please, just don't snap it over the kicker's head. If all else fails, give it to Taysom. Yes, that is the <laughs> – well, I, there's this fantasy idiot on the internet who's like, oh, he shouldn't have a job on your team, blah, 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 blah. Are I'm you like, crazy? Well, it's like he just does so many things that no one else wants to do. Right. Like be the, be the emergency return guy. To Play me- special teams. To me, Taysom Hill should definitely have every roster spot. I don't care. It's funny because his his logic is you're wasting a roster spot on him. But in reality, you are saving like three roster spots by having him because you don't have to have emergency quarterbacks on the roster. You don't like you can like Jake Hayner's probably going to be inactive for most of the games next year because you don't really need your third string quarterback to be active. 
and you have Taysom Hill. So he can be your emergency quarterback while also serving another role, whereas Jay Kaner would only be your emergency quarterback. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that because you would think, though, too, you'd want to get the young guy that on the field game day experience. But yeah, I mean, mean, he'll be there. He just won't be active. uh, Right, exactly. I just, you know, thinking about I guess he could still have the headset or something. Yeah. Uh, He'll uh, be like an assistant coach. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, And I will say, uh, obviously, during the preseason. You saw, you saw that too, though. J- Jameis was really great at that as being the assistant coach on the sideline during last season. Yeah. Yes, I agree with that. All right, that's all I got for that segment. We're going to come back, and I'm going to hit you with that Cam Jordan interview. It's about 15 minutes long. I really enjoy it. I love talking to Cam. Cam is one of the most fun people to talk to, uh, even over Zoom. Like, Zooms are always, like, super impersonal, but he's so much fun to talk to. So we're going to come back. We're going to play that interview for you. Stick around. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to do that. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Hoot out. Let's go. Like and subscribe. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Nowak. You can follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Geller. WWL. There are no check marks anymore. You're just going to have to go on faith. Although I have a I have a microphone in my picture, so that should help. All right. Well, as promised, I'm going to throw the interview I was able to do with Cam Jordan last week at you in this segment. A couple of notes. If you follow us on YouTube, I did post an abridged version of this interview on the YouTube channel earlier this week. There's about five more minutes of content in this version than the one you, if you've watched it on YouTube. So, you know, you, you can skip around if you want. It's mostly at the back end where we kind of talk about draft stuff. And so the other note is that this was done the morning of the draft. So there's a couple of questions in here that will kind of seem out of date. I was originally going to cut them out, but then the draft happened and it was very prophetic what he said in mm-hmm. terms of like, basically predicted that Will Levis was going to fall out of the first round, which was like this major storyline. But when you listen to it, you're going to be like, oh man, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so so check it out. It's it's a good time. And uh, without further ado, here you go. So how you doing, Cam? How you been? I'm doing. I'm, I'm not bad, you know? I've been enjoying life and it's sort of weird to get back to uh, real life, I guess. You know, back to football. You don't have a Twitter check mark anymore, so I have to like double check every time I see you tweet. Who but... is it? 
Well, I mean, I've seen you all over the place. So how, what has been the highlight of your kind of jet setting off season? Cause it seems like you've been everywhere. Right. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. No, the, uh, the family has, and we lived in Madrid for a month and then we went off to Bilbao for a couple of days, came back over to uh, Barcelona. We've been here for the month of April and then had like a quick five day spurt between, uh, going back to Bilbao for a soccer game. I went to Bilbao, like we went to Guggenheim. I had to go back for a soccer game. Uh, went to, uh, San Sebastian, went to Victoria, did some rural games out in Basque country. Um, did a soccer, uh, a uh, challenge out with Mikel Moreno um, over over there in in uh, the Basque area, and then or no in Sevilla, and then went down to Sevilla and yeah, and uh, went back to Barcelona. It's been it's been a it's been a time. We had a time this last couple months. But what kind of what kind of spurred that? Like why this year? Because I I mean unless you do that every year, and I just don't know about it. No, come on. I've been I've been gone since like a week and a half after right. <laughs> I was like, yo, I was like, this is great. Also, I'm gone. Um, and I literally was on the sidelines of that craptastic um, Cleveland Browns negative 19 football game. And I was like, I was like, the lies that I've been told all my life. That was my first snow game. That was my first game, probably under 30, like maybe under 20. I think the, there was a playoff Seattle game that probably got that cold or maybe playoff Philadelphia game in like 13 that got that cold. But other than that, like I've been – I've been snow free all my life. You know, I grew up in Arizona. I played, I, I played over at Cal at Berkeley and I got drafted with the saints. I've had phenomenal luck my entire career until year 12. And I was in the middle of this dumb football game where people were like, you know, people from the Midwest, like embrace it. You know, I was born in Minnesota. And like friends from Minnesota, like, Oh, you haven't played a real football game. So you play in the cold. They're liars. <laughs> they're, they're full blown egotistical maniacs that are just living this machismo life of embracing the cold. And I get that's what they have to do for mental keepsakes, but that's not real football. It hurt to hit people. It hurt, it hurt to shed people. It hurt to, you know, lace them up. It hurt to try and get warm. It hurt to get ready to get cold. <laughs> there was nothing fun about that game other than, I knew other people were just as miserable. I looked over at my trainers. One of my trainers had like snot frozen, like coming out of his <laughs> nose. I, I like the first, the, after that first half, I ran into the locker room and I remember everybody was, you know, drinking soup and some guys were like, ah, this is football. And I was like, they're absurd. This is not football. This is not your best. I want my best 11 versus your best 11. That's not real football to me. So either way, um, you know, we win that game, whatever, but I'm on the sidelines and I was like, this is not it. You know what? I, you know what? I'm leaving. I'm, I'm talking to, I'm talking to uh, Ryan Nelson, who's now the DC over at, over oh, yeah. at, uh, yep. the, yeah, I keep, I forget the, the, the team's name sometimes, <laughs> um, the fail cons. And then, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, what am I going to do? But I was, I was sitting there talking to him and I was like, yo, I'm going back in the game. He's like, no, we got rotation. I was like, I am cold. I'm going back in. And then so somewhere in there, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to another country after season. You don't have to worry about me. And he was like, what? And it snowballed from there, literally out the snow. Um, I went home and I was like, I was like, hey, babe, how do you feel about homeschooling in this second semester? Uh, she was like, well, you know, I did it in COVID. I said, great. She's like, what? I was like, I'm trying to go somewhere. I'm trying to learn some Spanish. You know, I, I was like, Yo, you know what? My Spanish is just not up to par. I want to, I'm inspired to, to do better things. And she's like, so what are you thinking? I was like, Spain. And she was like, all right, cool. 
And then it just went from there. So I had a plan. And by the time Super Bowl happened and, you know, we didn't make playoffs. So then I was like just planning. And so two weeks after Super Bowl, a week and a half after Super Bowl, I was in Madrid. That's a much better answer than I was expecting, which is like normal. It's like, oh, let's go on vacation. Like, no, you you had a negative 10 degree uh, prompt. Negative 19. Yes. Negative oh, 19. Yeah. I can tell you one thing that would have been worse than playing in that game would have been losing that game. So at oh, least yeah. you have that. <laughs> I, I was I was thinking about the 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 mad the, like the the crazy fanatics that I have so much respect for with no shirt on in the upper bowl somewhere in the middle of that game they're like hey everybody in the upper bowl come down to a lower bowl I've never yeah. even yep. they're like yeah for for body warmth purposes so you don't <laughs> so you <can> huddle die. together <laughs> <laughs> come huddle together so you can watch this football game and I was like and I was looking at the fans I was like much respect because there's no amount of money that could ever make me play for this team. Like you could be like, Cam, I have $58 million a year for you. Unprecedented amount. You've never been paid this much for one year football. And I'm like, thank you very much. I'm going to go, you know, if there's 50, if there's 50 on the table here, there's got to be 40 on the table somewhere in a warmer climate. Thank you. But I'll be leaving. Yeah. I appreciate you and Alvin kind of have similar philosophies about the cold. And then, then Carl comes out and he wasn't even wearing a shirt in the pregame. And he was like, cold's in your mind. And Alvin's like, no, cold exists, and it was here yeah. today. Cold. I can't. My hands are over here like this. I can't <laughs> feel my hands. <laughs> no, uh, the cold exists. All right. So before before I forget, I do want to ask you. So this NFL rivals, obviously, the debut did today. You download it? I said, did you download it? It came out today. NFL I have rivals. not downloaded it yet. Okay. But why don't you just tell me what what all of it's about? What is your connection with it? How? Why should people be excited about it? I mean, I, I'm excited because it brings back that nostalgic feeling of like, I, I keep saying blitz. Like, you know, it's, it's that mm. arcade style of play. It's not 11 on 11. It's like a smaller condensed version because it's, it's on your phone. Download it. I mean, I happened to download it this morning right when the, I was like, well, I had to wait till like this afternoon because it was not technically today. But, um, you know, because I'm, I'm seven, six hours ahead of the East Coast. But either way, so I waited till it was able to download and hopped on, hopped on this last couple hours. And I'm not going to say uh, I'm having a blast. I'm not going to say I'm addicted because, I, you know, but um, right now I'm, I've got this nine on nine all offense. You know, I'm, I'm working on getting better, you know, my players in the right positions, right, right roles. But it gives you that arcade style like you know going in throwing a 25 you know a quarter in and playing some nfl blitz it gives you that type of feel it's like nfl blitz my nfl like nfl street combined and you've got uh, on your phone um and i don't know what's what's great about trying to be your own general manager you know like i i feel like i've been doing some mock drafts lately for like the first time in my career i'm like i need d tackles right and in this game i'm like oh i gotta have ak here i gotta have you know if i can if i can push you know, my team there, if I can put these pieces together, my team is going to be unstoppable. And clearly I'm biased because I'm going to be using my, my own teammates. But, um, you know, you can, you can, always, you can c compete against other GMs. You can just play as free as you want. And it's the, the fact that it's free. I mean, you're going, to, you're going to get hooked a little bit. You're going to have some fun. I mean, all, it's like all offense – no defense, which I'm like, they they have some sort of prejudice against defense players, but it is what it is. Maybe it's coming soon. I just feel like me at a running back position could be a monstrosity. But the fact that you're going to have so much fun with this, it, it's experiencing football in like a, a fun and a new way. So it's all offense. Who do you play against then if it's all offense? Other other t people that have put together teams right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to get better cards. I need I need I need I need a few better players 
uh, so I can get my, my team together and then I can start challenging people out in this world. In my mind, in like the next day or two, I will be a guru of this game. And I'll be like, so anybody come get some. Gotcha. You know, and, and you kind of reference this. You've been doing mock drafts, trying to get defensive tackles. One of the reasons, you know, there's this need for defensive tackles is David Onyemata went to Atlanta. Shai Tuttle went to Carolina and obviously Ryan's in Atlanta as well. What was your reaction when you saw that happen? Have you talked to David? Have you talked to Shai at all? Of course, I've talked to my traitorous yeah. friends, you know, like it's it's cool. We we drafted him and, or, or, you know, in Shai's case, wasn't drafted, which should endear him even more to us. You know, like we we took when nobody, you know, nobody else was looking at him. But no, I'm, I'm overly happy for them. Um, the fact that, you know, they, David, I've been playing with for what, six or seven years, eight years. It's been a long time um, and it's hard to replace somebody like him. Hence my mock drafts and drafting like four or five D tackles each time. Cause it's, it's so hard to replace a guy like him. Uh, you lose, you know, shy Tuttle. Um, you've got a guy like Contavious street that goes out there. Um, D tackle sort of, you know, bring that, that defensive line together. You know, we have return of Malcolm Roach, hopefully the resurgence of uh, Albert Huggins, um, but, you know, Tano, Tano and uh, my, my young gun will have to uh, sort of slide down. Uh, young Peyton Turner will have to slide down to that three technique on third down situation. Maybe I will. I don't know. But just know that I'm feeling that, you know, that's that's somewhere we can strengthen our team, which brings me back to, you know, maybe mythical game sometime soon brings in that uh, that defensive line play to the game. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be fun uh, when you get back to it. I, I think that the the partnership that they have is going to bring fans who love the game and fans who love football to a true sense of understanding when you sort of merge them together in this game. Gotcha. And, and you, you know, you mentioned you mentioned Peyton. I think a lot of people are kind of eagerly anticipating seeing him more. Right. I Like right. I've seen him in there. I know he's working. You know, what, what do you expect from him this year? Because obviously with Marcus heading out to Minnesota, he's got to be able to contribute in some way. So what are your kind of expectations for him? Man, um, I think, you know, Marcus leaving to, to Minnesota, I, I, I think that could be a great play for Carl Grandison to step up as well mm -hmm. as Peyton Turner. Mm -hmm. um, the best ability is availability, uh, as, we, as we all have seen over the years. Uh, and with Peyton Turner this last two years, we see glimpses. <laughs> and then, you know, he's sort of been bitten by – a little, you know, nagging injury here or there. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to more glimpses. <laughs> you can see a glimpse. You can see the picture. If you can see the picture, you can, you can understand what the painting's about. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out exactly what the painting's about in game time. Cause I know the work that he's put in is not matching up to what he, his own expectations. Cause he's grinding. He's trying to get right. And at the same time, he's also played 12 or 13 games over two years. You, you got to play a little bit more than that. Gotcha. And, you know, obviously it's draft morning. And so that I always think of this story when it's draft day, because one of my favorite stories, I know you've told it before, but I, I want you to tell it again is when you, your draft day, you got a call from the Browns and they were not calling about you. They were calling about somebody else. Can you just kind of like rehash what all happened there? Cause I, I do think it's hilarious. I was like, is it that strike two for the Cleveland? Like they drafted, <laughs> they tried to draft me instead of calling the right guy, Jordan Cameron. And then it was negative 19, which isn't their fault, but I'm blaming them. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, I had just got drafted, uh, what the day or two before, whatever that was, I was down in new Orleans, just got my playbook. It was about to be the lockout. I'm with Sipson in the car with Bill Johnson. I think we had just grabbed some beignets. I'm headed back to the airport. Cause I don't know when the next time I'm going to see him. So I'm, I'm gone. And as we're, as we're sitting in the car, 
get a phone call, pick up the phone call. And it was like, Hey, sit tight. We're about to draft you. And I was like, well, that's impossible because I've already been drafted. And of course it was the Jordan Cameron, Cameron Jordan situation, which has happened forever. Uh, you know, he played over at USC, phenomenal tight end, pro bowl tight end. And I, I played over at Cal. So we saw some interchange there, get drafted the same, you know, same year. So that happens. And of course you would see him in the pro bowl, you know, he became my, he became my uh, opposite brother, <laughs> my reversing cam. And then, you know, I just feel like, uh, with, with that situation, I was just, I was just laughing. I was like, it was like the most from not being in the football NFL at the time. It was like, Oh, the Browns, they've got some things they got to work out. Huh? <laughs> 12 years later, yeah, like, we've huh, seen them continue Browns. that over the last decade. Right. Again, 12 years later, you're sitting there like, Huh, the Browns, they got some things to figure out. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I also remember there was an episode of the league where they made that joke too. Uh, yeah. And that was before I was Cameron. down here. That's really before I knew you that well in terms of playing with the saints. And I was like, that's funny. Um, yeah. anyway, he, he called, he a different haircut back then. I had the big old fro hawk. It was, it was <laughs> dope. Um, but no, that was, that was the beginning of, of those issues of being called either, you know, Jordan Cameron or Cam Newton. And I was like, he's got no facial hair. I've got all of this, you know, Cam Hayward. I'm like, ain't no way Cam Hayward's, he doesn't fit in picture frames. I fit, in, I fit similar in picture frames. You know, he's a D tackle. He's taller and wider. But, you know, gotcha. the cams, there's a lot of cams in that draft. There's four of us that you can switch up around with. <laughs> gotcha. All right. I know, I know you're a busy guy. You let you go. But we are talking to Mickey later on today. So I, I do want to, is there anyone who you are in love with in this draft that you want me to yell, hey, draft this guy? Uh, absolutely not. Because if I put it out there, it's not going to happen. So <laughs> I'm like, hey, this is the guy I want. And they were like, so anyways, <laughs> uh, you know, if I've learned anything over this last 12 years, teams don't like, you know, don't like their business out there. You know, it's going to be interesting. I just hopped on Twitter today and I saw, you know, somebody informing their family that they may or may not be a top tier pick. Sometimes that doesn't pan out well. I've seen guys in the green room and, you know, think that they're going top 10 and end up at the 24th overall pick in the draft. Now pans out well in the career, but you know, maybe you don't go top 10. Maybe you go 24th. Maybe you fall out the first round and sit in there day two. Whatever, whatever happens, it's just a, it's just an entry ticket. The NFL draft, if you get your name called, if you don't get your name called, doesn't mean you're going to have a hell of a career. All it means is you get a chance to try and win. Gotcha, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the rest of your vacation, and I'll see you in a couple months here. Absolutely. I should be back in a couple months, a month. <laughs> yeah, if you ever do, do decide to come back to the States. <laughs> <laughs> Stay side. Yeah, I'm back in action. So, yeah, like I, I really I always enjoyed talking to Cam. So, yeah, a few things from that interview. I get to use the word craptastic in a quote. That's always fun. You would never play for the Browns under any circumstances, which I really enjoyed. They could offer him fifty eight million dollars a year. He wouldn't do it. That's what he said. That's, that's a quote. And then at the end, if you if you didn't get that reference, he was talking about how Will Levis had apparently been telling family members that he was going to be a top pick. And he kind of equated that to himself when he was talking about the 24th pick because he went 24th. He was expecting to go a lot higher. He ended up going 24th to the Saints. Uh, I would say he probably feels like that worked out for him in the end. But then he was like, oh, yeah, sometimes you're just sitting there on day two. And like, when you know it, that's exactly what mm. happened to Will Levis. And I don't know how much of that was driven by him blabbing about maybe I'm going to be a top pick, blah, blah, blah. But it, it sounds very much like what happened because you just see his name falling and falling and falling. All of a sudden, he's out there on day two. 
just like Cam said. So I just thought that was a really – I was originally planning to cut that part out, but it ended up being so accurate. It's like, I got to leave it in. <laughs> yeah, we got to find out if Cam's not taking one of those whatever how long sabbaticals he's been on. Maybe he can do, be on our pre-draft show next year. Yeah, yeah. I also thought it was kind of fun. Like, I didn't realize that's why he was in Spain for so long was that he was so miserable on New Christmas Eve against the Browns that he decided on the sideline of that game, like, I'm getting out of this goddamn country for several months. Like, he's been in Spain since a week and a half after the Super Bowl. Wow. Like, that was February. It's May now. He's still there. Like the way I described it in the the post I wrote about that interview, which you can find on WWL.com if you're interested, is basically it's more it's less like a vacation and more like a study abroad program for his entire family. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Like his kids are being homeschooled by by Nikki Jordan, uh, Cam's wife. Like, OK, <laughs> like they have they spent an entire semester in Spain, which is awesome. Like, I, I wish I, they, I was able to do that when I was a kid. That must be crazy. But yeah, it's, I didn't realize that that he had been there this whole time. Like, obviously I've been seeing on Twitter, all of this, but yeah, he's been there for what? So February, March, April, like three months now. So yeah, you can thank the coldest game in Saints history for Cam being like, I'm out this piece. (laughs) I'm out of here. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, man, I'm totally envious. If I, if I had the funds and means, I would, I would love to take that long of a sabbatical. Like you said, after a while, it's hard to call it a vacation. That's not, yeah, it can't, it's not a vacation. You can't call it a vacation. A work study. <laughs> Three months in Spain is, yeah, I mean. <laughs> anyway, so he'll be back, I, I assume. He's still not back. I assume he'll come back. I wonder he has if a lot of money back. tied to his returning. Will we have a fresh Spain haircut and facial features for this coming season then? That's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> I didn't ask if he's actually learned any Spanish. I imagine he has. Because I, I remember, I think it was after the season, he's like, the Fu Manchu's gone. It's done with. And I was like, yeah. wow, okay, it's pretty pretty bold. Yeah. All right. Hope you enjoyed that interview. We're going to come back with one more segment. We're going to hear from the great Cajun Cannon, Bob Yeabear, firing shots, firing off takes as he does. And we're going to react to him. And you're going to react to him once we react to him. Yeah. This is Inside Black and Gold. Who that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. One guy that I know is going to succeed is Fosky. I don't know how he cannot have success. He could be our next Cam Jordan. 
Uh, he has the same measurables like Marcus Davenport, and Marcus Davenport is hell when he's well, but he's hurt all the time. Well, this cat is not hurt. He always plays. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Speaking of always playing, I'm here. Steve Geller's here too at Steve Geller WWL. Check it out. Although I, I do have to tell you, so on Monday's episode where we used the draft special, um, Colin spelled your name like Sarah Michelle. Oh, G-E-L-L-A-R. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something it's I'm cursed with. It's G-E-L-L-E-R. Geller. Geller. And we're talking about Foskey, a guy who I will say already some very good player development. He learned how to say New Orleans the right way, which is good because he came out hot with the New Orleans. <laughs> um, and within three days, he was like, oh, crap, it's New Orleans. Well, now we're going to have to see his crawfish abilities compared to like uh, Jamal. Jamal Williams. Yeah, because yeah. he's been taking a, a ton of heat on online. Throwing barbecue sauce on crawfish. Like it's just like it's just gr- like I wouldn't put barbecue sauce on any kind of crustacean. Like, would you put it on like crab or shrimp? Ugh. I Like, would you put barbecue sauce on like a, like a fish stick? Like that sounds gross to me, too. Like the barbecue sauce on any sort of pescatarian option. It sounds gross. I guess if you really want to mask that taste, put that barbecue sauce on. But it's like, eat something else. Yeah. Maybe crawfish isn't your thing then. But yeah, Tyron Matthews face when he put it on there was like, I've never (laughs) seen someone more more justifiably disgusted in my life. Uh, That was a good good job by the Saints media crew over there. That was good stuff. I I just appreciate it. It was like, it's already seasoned. What the hell are you doing? Um But yeah, so we're, we're not talking about uh, bad food takes. We're talking about questionable sports takes. And so Bobby is big on Isaiah Foskey. Not a huge fan of Brian Brzee, but we maybe he'll come around. Yeah, they should have just kept Shy Tuttle. That's what he says. Um, but he does like Isaiah Foskey a lot. And he compares him to Cam Jordan. And I don't hate that comparison. It's a lot to live up to, especially considering he's a second-round pick. Cam was a first-round pick with a top-10 pedigree right like like we heard from him in the last segment saying he expected to go in the top 10 he ended up going 24 which is a pretty far drop but you still like had really high expectations for him so much of what cam has done has been tied to his availability and he talked about peyton turner and one of the big issues for peyton turner is just hasn't been available enough and when you hear cam talking about that it's like yeah okay he he's the one i'm i'm gonna listen to because he's done that as well as anybody just be freaking available and, you know, if, if he if he wasn't an Iron Man the way he is, his career would be viewed a lot differently. Stupid um, COVID season, you know, that made him miss yeah. that one game. And then that eye injury, he didn't want to sit out. Dennis Allen really they forced him, him to. Yeah, the doctors made him. Yeah, and it was like, but, I'm sure it was like, dude, the record's not a, 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 an issue anymore. Just sit out. But yeah, so, you know, Kip, they're both West Coast guys, right? Like the Isaiah Foskey is a California kid, too. You should have seen where he was. I mean, if you go and you watch the Zoom interview uh, after he was drafted on the Saints YouTube page, it's like, you know, I was distracted by the beauty of the background, which was like, was like, where are you? He was like, oh, this is my backyard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. You're, they're both very high character guys. They're both team value guys. Dennis Allen was saying like his character grade was so impeccable that they didn't even really have to talk about it. They just watched the tape. And so... That's a big comparison, but I can see it. It's not something you expect him to live up to in year one. And this is the take that really kind of flies off the table from Bobby. 
almost say right now that with Foskey, they're going to plug and play him. I'd be surprised. I'm going to say at least nine sacks plus. I'm saying because what he did in Notre Dame, this catch the all-time leading sack getter in Irish history. Nine plus sacks in his rookie season. And now just Ooh. to kind of pin the bow on the Cam Jordan comparison, right? Cam Jordan, who I think came out of the tunnel ready to play, he had 31 tackles in his fr- rookie season. He had one sack in his rookie season. Right. It's a pretty, I mean, even in year two, he had eight sacks. Then year three, 12 and a half, and he hasn't had fewer than 7.5 in any season since. Nine sacks as a rookie is a heck of a number. What do you think about that, Steve? Yeah, and immediately when he, Bobby said that, my eyes kind of popped out of my head, just not because I think it's, out of the question, but to put that high of a expectation on your second round draft pick to me seems a bit far fetched. And I know we, you know, you dove deep into those numbers of the history of, you know, guys at that position being drafted and what they put up the rookie year. And, and there's not many, I think it was what, 12 total that had nine and a half or more sacks? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the easy way to look at it would be how many rookies have had double digit sacks. And if you go back to 2010, you're not, it's not arbitrary. Like that's almost, that's 13 years or 12 years of NFL right. football. And you're dealing with the modern era NFL here for crying out loud. Right. Right. Like the further you go back, the least relevant it is. Like we're sure. talking about comparing football in the year 2023 to football in a year that's, that looked like that. Um, so like a lot of sacks get taken away now because there's a penalty. Right. Like, think about how many more sacks there would be in the NFL if you could land on the player. You can't do that anymore. And every time that happens, a sack gets wiped off the board. And then it's not only not a sack, it's a first down of 15 yards. So, like, going back to 1995, where you could basically murder the quarterback and get away with it, it doesn't really add up. Right. Um, But so, yeah, if you go back to 2010, there have been about 12 players. So, Alden Smith has the record for rookie sacks over that period of time with 14. And that's not even a great indicator that this is going to be a really good player because Alden Smith fell off the map real quick, but he was really good as a rookie. Micah Parsons also had 13 sacks in his rookie season. If you go back to 2002, Dwight Freeney had 13. 2018, Bradley Chubb had, <laughs> Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb had 12. Was Parsons during a 17-game schedule or no? Because I know the other games. guys aren't. 16 games. Okay. The yeah. only person on this list who's played 17 games was Aiden Hutchinson, which was last year. He had okay. nine and a half sacks. So, I mean, that's what you're comparing Isaiah Foskey to. Like you would say like Aiden Hutchinson had a really good rookie season. Was he number two overall? <laughs> and you're saying that Isaiah Foskey is going to be that guy. <laughs> I really like Isaiah Foskey. I've been tooting the Isaiah Foskey right, horn right. about as loud as anybody. That's a lot. I mean, I guess it's kind of to like maybe overcompensate his disappointment in the the, the Brazil pick. So it's like now Foskey is going to overcome and be like, like he's saying, the next Cam Jordan, he's going to have the health and he's going to have Aaron Donald or, uh, you know, Aiden. amazing yeah. rookie, historic rookie-like production. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't even look up to see, you know, what the Saints record for rookie sacks is, but I imagine, you know, they don't have any players on this list. Oh, oh, wait, no, Darren Howard. I believe Darren Howard would be the guy. Okay. 11 sacks, and that was 23 years ago. 
yes, 23 years ago. Um, one thing that I think Bobby is not taking into consideration here either is how how much is Foskey going to be on the field? Exactly. And I almost think that if Foskey is on the field enough to have nine plus sacks in his rookie season, that's probably a bad thing because it would mean that, you know, it, it would mean that he's having a really good rookie season and that's great. <laughs> it would also mean that Peyton Turner is a non-factor. I was going to see either he's hurt again or he's another healthy scratch. Either way, you're right. Things have gone dramatically wrong. Yeah, right. Like it would basically mean like he's out of the equation because nine sacks is a lot for, for a regular player, let alone yeah. like a guy in a rotation. So, I mean, because this rotation is going to be pretty steep. I, I imagine you won't, you're going to try to limit Cam snaps to an extent. I don't think you're going to see him play 98% of the snaps like you have in some years but he's still going to play a lot of the snaps, probably going to play in the nineties, low 90% wise. Yeah. He and, won't let, he won't even let Dennis Allen take him off the field. We know that. No, I mean like it, it, they'll be lucky if they let him, if he lets them take him out for 10% of the snaps, but, uh, and then you're going to have Carl Granderson who I think they're going to want to have in that rotation. Absolutely. And then Tano Passanio, and then Peyton Turner too, who I think you, you owe it to yourself to try to get him, in a rhythm to try to get something out of him so that you can go into year four and have an idea. He's going to be a guy. They have to make a decision on that fifth year option. Like they, they picked up the fifth year option on Marcus Davenport. That's what he played this last season on. And it didn't work. It was not good. And he ended up going to Minnesota. Um, So like you really need to figure out this year, if Peyton Turner is going to be someone that you can actually count on. So if, you do that. If he is able to be out there and he is productive, then that in itself is going to make it very, very difficult for Isaiah to put up gaudy numbers. I mean, he could still be effective and put up four or five sacks this season, make a bunch of tackles, maybe be kind of that de facto spy on the quarterback playing contain a lot of the time, which I think is going to be a big part of his role. When you're going up against mobile quarterbacks, you're going to put him in contain. And you're going to have him chase him around. He's not necessarily going to get sacks. He's going to get tackles. But that's something you really need. So, you know, I, I do think that you, I think the expectations on Foskey need to be tempered in the sense that, like, he doesn't need nine sacks to have a good rookie season. You need to, you need to be impressed with your eyes. You need, to, you need to see it before the numbers start rolling in. Because I'd like to see Peyton Turner get a huge year three, right? I'd like to see him get nine sacks. That's what that's the guy I want to see get nine sacks. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Because how many years does Cam Jordan have left? Right? Like you have Isaiah Foskey under contract for four more years, but you want to be able to say, man, Cam's gonna retire, and then we can roll out Peyton Turner and Isaiah Foskey and have your two defensive ends under contract, right? So that's kind of where I land on it. Yeah, I'm hoping that Peyton Turner. I would, I would agree. I would love to see nine, nine sacks from a Peyton Turner. For me, like initial rookie expectations for a guy like Foskey is more around the range of like three and a half, four and a half sacks. And I, I guess after Bobby's predictions, that feels like super low. Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, Bobby, you know, I think he's just he's trying to pump the guy up. I do think, you know, when you're talking about a rookie getting a significant number of snaps, which I expect Foskey to be a big part of the rotation, the biggest thing you want from him is to not be a liability, right? Like you want him to be consistent. You want him to hold up against the run, which is, you know, I am a little concerned about the run part of his game. He, he needs to 
like I need him to play contain well before he gets upfield and tries to take the head off of a quarterback. But but we'll see. You know, like Micah Parsons was a guy who you could probably look at and say, yeah, this if if you want to have really high expectations, that might be where you look. Um, just the athleticism that he can drop and 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 do a lot of things. But yeah. Like like you said though before, who knows with the Cajun Cannons predictions because he was all over Mr. Andy Dalton being, the, being this team's starting quarterback uh, during training camp. I do trust him more on the quarterback realm <laughs> than I do in the pass rush there, realm, right? but we'll see. And and so and there's one other player that Bobby is gassing up to the point that he's about to explode. And uh, here here here's one of those clips. Processing speed. How do you process information? Like in and out of the huddle, the whole mental aspect of playing quarterback, being accurate with the football. Not the receivers open. It might be instant, uh, easy check down, but you're not throwing it behind him. You're not throwing his head. Hit him where he can get the yards after the catch. So you got to be accurate. Getting the ball out. I'm telling you, more than anything, the offensive line in National Football League, they love you and appreciate you if they get their ass whipped and you save them from giving up a sack. Something, you know, like, oh, the offensive line sucks. The offensive line sucks. No, the quarterback can make the offensive line be better by knowing where to check downs, how you get rid of the ball. And all of a sudden, they, they like, they want to fight for you. They want to block for you because you got there behind covered. Man, I got whooped that time, but you had my back. So that right there, that's why I think he's going to have success. His accuracy, 72% in completion rate. Uh, if you look at his senior year, and at Fresno State, okay, uh, how many linemen in Fresno State got uh, drafted? How many? Uh, who, who's protected him? Zero. He's making them all better. I'm telling you, him waiting in the wings. I don't know if he'll ever be an ultimate starter like Drew Brees, but he'll be that quarterback who's going to be a professional, is going to have a double-digit career, because I think he understands what it takes to be a winning quarterback. And, 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 and Derek Carr wants to mentor him. they homeboys. They're both from Fresno State. Like, I mean, you take care of your boy. Drew Brees likes it, all that. So I think the quarterback room right now, I'm not even talking about Jameis Winston. I don't even know. Jameis Winston is going to be the guy short term. But 2024 and beyond is Derek Carr, and it's going to be Hayner. He's keeping any, any little dig you can get in there about Jameis, Bobby's going to get it. When I, I started to have really bad flashbacks, though, when he talked about the quarterback holding on to the ball too long and, you know, hurting the O-line. That started making me think about Ian Book. Yeah, I do think he makes a good point in that, like, I think Ian Book, one of the biggest issues he had was he just didn't see things fast enough. And he didn't react fast enough. He didn't process things fast enough. And, I mean, I'm not going to say Jake Hayner is better because I haven't know, seen right? him. Right. Right. But you do get the, the vibes around him and the offense he's coming out of and the, the amount he had to shoulder is significantly more um, than, than what Ian Book had to do at Notre Dame. It's just a fact. Yeah. You know, you're not getting five-star recruits. To, to, to Fresno State, you're not getting elite offensive linemen to Fresno State. I'm still, you know, the jury's still out, for me at least. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you start throwing Drew Brees named comparisons in there and strictly really just because of height, you know, you, you kind of you got to 
to slow your roll a little bit. I, I haven't even been to rookie minicamp. Yeah, and he and he does. Uh, he does. Bobby very much, very much does. And so he, Jake Kanner did idolize Drew Brees. He grew up wearing Drew Brees jerseys, which is bizarre. I don't think that's why the Saints brought him in. <laughs> like, I don't think that really made a huge impact. But I think he plays the way he does. Yes. Because he watched Drew Brees and because he kind of patterned his game after Drew. And you can see it when he's playing. You can, you know, if you didn't know any better, you would think this was just like a, like a Drew Brees clone running around. I mean, take that with a grain of salt, right? Because looking like a guy and playing like a guy at the NFL level are two different things. But I think when you're, when you're saying you're getting drawn to a player and you see him processing things the same way and you see him managing situations the same way and being clutch. And I think it gives you kind of flashbacks and you're like, okay, we can work with this. All that said, here is the, Here's the real Bobby take that we're gonna that we're gonna that we're gonna uh, go after here. I think we truly got uh, the second coming of Drew Brees. We talk about the intangibles. It is like what you want in an NFL uh, quarterback. The only reason why he was drafted where he was drafted because he's little, but Drew Brees is little. He has the moxie and the swagger to be an NFL quarterback. Moxie and swagger, not at the, the combine. Second, the second coming of Drew Brees. That's rough, right? Yeah, we should retire that one early. Can we not? Can we not do that? Like, that's not fair to him. Not at all, That's not fair to Jake. Although, you know what? Like you mentioned, I've seen the clips and everything, him in the Breeze jersey. He probably loves that comparison, though. I don't think he does. I mean, I I think that he he wants to be – he wants it to be known that he's modeled his game after Drew Brees, and that's kind of who he looked up to. I don't think he wants to walk in the door with people saying, oh, my God, it's another Drew Brees. Like, that's not what I would want to have to walk into. I was like, can you give me some time here? Can I learn the playbook before you start anointing me the next Drew Brees? Because, you know, like, I think he's going to be fine. I, but, like, his first step is being a backup. Can he even back up Derek Carr? Like, that's what you got to figure out first. Not whether he can be a pro Super Bowl Hall of Fame quarterback. Hainer's another one that had one of those Saints videos they posted. The background, simply awestruck, drop your mouth, amazing. And I was like... Where are you broadcasting from? Because I want to be there. Did you see that that um, picture they put of uh, Jake Hayner in the Saints uh, jersey? In the Saints jersey? Yeah. Okay. So have you have you seen the movie We're the Millers? Yeah. Okay. the The kid, the kid who pretends to be his son, looks just like him. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Same guy. All right. That's it. That's all I got. Well, you know, we, we'll be laughing all the way till whatever. If if the Cajun Cannon's right again. I hope he's right. Yeah, and we do have the second coming of Drew. I, I do understand, though. That's why, you know, with both clips, he kind of ex- expounded more on that second one where, you know, more of that decision-making, the completion percentage, you know, the accuracy, getting the ball out quick for his offensive line, explaining a little more of why he had that breeze comparison and which makes it a little more stomachable. But yeah, that's all I got. I'm looking forward to seeing all these guys. Rookie minicamp is going to be May 12th through the 14th. We're going to get access on the 14th, which is a Saturday. So mark that down. It's 10 days or 12 days from now. Um, It starts on the 12th, which is 10 days from now. We'll get access on the 14th, which is 12 days from now. Uh, So looking forward to that. We'll hear a lot from guys like Jake Hayner, 
from Isaiah Foskey, from Can't Brian Brzee. Maybe the Miller. first time we see them all in action, and obviously all these UDFAs. So, so that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, Kendrick Miller. I want to see what more comments he has after you know checking out the facility, and obviously he made big waves on WWL saying he's coming for that number one spot, and yeah. want to see if he's taking Deuce McAllister's heat at all and being like taking a little bit of a chill grasshopper. Well, I I don't anticipate we'll see him working. Still recovering. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, he might be working off to the side with trainers, but I don't think that he's completely back yet from that knee injury. Dennis Allen said they're going to start him off working with trainers, and I imagine, I mean, that's going to be the first go that he has. So, you know, maybe OTAs, maybe mandatory minicamp, but I would be very surprised if we see him doing any real work at rookie minicamp beyond getting the playbook and kind of doing classworm stuff like, class warm stuff classroom stuff like that's what uh Rashid Shahid did last year like we saw him there he wasn't working so I think that's what we'll see with Kendry too but um we'll get it more into that next episode I want to break down like the full UDFA class and really get into some of the background on some of these guys so keep an eye out for that on Friday um but otherwise that's going to be it for inside black and gold today Steve any any parting thoughts no, looking forward to this weekend, too, just to get a break from the draft and try to yeah. do, instead of draft festing, jazz festing. You going to go? I'm hoping to, for sure. Also, I heard jazz fest could be renamed line fest this year because of the crowds and everyone complaining about the new you yeah, know, cashless like, stuff. Yeah, I heard it was better on Saturday than it okay. was on Friday because the Friday crowds were huge and that really overwhelmed everything. But it seems like they've got it sorted out, so hopefully that's the case. Anyway. All right, this is Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your dads. No, they're not invited. Just mom. Just kidding. Only tell your dads. All right, peace, y'all. Later.